Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Five verses, the first in the series on the Beatitudes. We're going to deal with three of them tonight, but from this point on, Sunday morning and Sunday night, we will be taking each one of those from from now on and dealing with each of them independently. Tonight, to introduce the Beatitudes and get us started, we're going to deal with the first three. Matthew 5, the first five verses. And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Three blessings, or three beatitudes. Let us pray. Our Father, as we look at your word now, we know you have said something very important to us. And begin by giving us what we have come to know as the Beatitudes. Reveal to us your truth. Open our hearts and our minds. We have no doubt as to what you're saying to us. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus preached on top of this mountain what we have come to know as the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon, of course, that was ever preached. And he introduced his sermon by giving that which we have come to know as the Beatitudes. Three of them we read. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that mourn. And blessed are the meek. Many times you will find Bible translations that will use the word happy in preference to blessed. I think that's probably all right and fits the the intent of the translation. But I am prejudiced, I suppose, in thinking that we ought to stay with the word blessed because to me it says something more than saying happy. It says to me that God is imparting to us a spatial something. That we are blessed as his children if we fit into the pattern that he describes as people whom he will bless. If we are poor in spirit, if we mourn, or if we are meek. But what did he mean when he said those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, will be blessed. Well, look at first of all, those who are poor in spirit. The word poor in the Greek has two different words to use for its, its meaning, and they say something entirely different. The first word, you don't need to remember the Greek, but remember the the thought behind it, is the word penis, P-E-N-E-S, with a long E. The 
this was the word identifying the common working man, the man who was not rich, but he also was not destitute. And most of us, in the Greek terminology of the word poor, would fall into that category to some degree. We're not millionaires. I don't know if any of you are millionaires. If you have, you've never let me know that you are. And I don't think that there are any of us in this congregation who would absolutely be destitute. So probably he is referring, uh, if we would use this Greek word, to all of us who are poor, but he hasn't stopped. Another word for poor in the Greek is P-T-O-C-H-O-S. Don't remember that word either. Don't think about it any more than, than to know that there's a second word. Tochas. Which means one who has nothing at all. Now here is the destitute. And it is this word, the second word, that Jesus used in the Beatitudes. He is saying, blessed is that person who has nothing at all. But he doesn't stop. He says, in spirit, who has nothing in spirit. Now, in order to understand what he's talking about, we've got to go back to the Hebrew. I cannot pronounce the Hebrew word. So let me just give you the content of it. The Hebrew word for, for poor is the word that we would understand as humble. A person who recognizes his helplessness and therefore puts his complete trust in God. Now then, take Jesus' word in the Greek for poor, who means one who has nothing at all, and the Hebrew word for poor, which we would translate humble, and we come up with this interpretation, or perhaps this translation, and let me give you my translation of it, and it's only that. It would be saying this, Blessed is the man who realizes his own helplessness and who puts his complete trust in God. That's what Jesus was saying when he talked about the person who was poor in spirit. A man who completely detaches himself from physical things as being important. And a man who recognizes that he must attach himself to God to have any value at all. That's the kind of person that Jesus is talking about. One who realizes that things really mean nothing and God means everything. Now then, if we take it in that terminology, then we can go back and say blessed is the poor in spirit and begin to realize that maybe we're not that poor person that he is talking about, that we haven't fit yet into that mold or perhaps we have not detached ourselves from worldly things and attached ourselves only to God. Perhaps we are one who has not yet realized that in our own power and in our own strength we are nothing and we will remain nothing until we put our complete trust and dependence in God.
and of course in Jesus Christ his son. Now then, we must ask ourselves, are we blessed in this case? Is our life such that the Lord was talking about us when he talked about the poor in spirit? Let's look at the second one. Blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. The word mourn is being spoken in such a manner as to more properly identify it for us. It's the kind of thing that a person does when he is distressed over the deceased, over someone who has died. It is the kind of attitude that Jesus is referring to of a person who has just lost a loved one. That kind of mourning is the attitude that he is talking about. That degree. But what he is saying, let me put it in these words, and again these are only mine. Blessed is the man who has endured the bitterest sorrow that life can bring him. Now consider those words. The person who has endured all that life can possibly dish out and has still remained faithful to God is the person that Jesus is talking about. Sorrow is an important word. Sometimes we, we regret that we have to go through periods of sorrow, but there are benefits from sorrow. There are three that I would like to suggest. One of the benefits of sorrow is it brings us to an awareness of the kindness of other people. Only in times of deep distress do we realize how kind our friends and our neighbors really are. This particularly comes home when we lose a loved one. To realize at that time of distress that there are people around who really care. And it's this kind of mourning that Jesus is talking about that brings us to a point in our life that we can really assess each other and after it's over, say, my, how wonderful, how kind, how loving my friends and neighbors really were. Secondly, I think that sorrow causes us to recognize what true values are in life. We've all gone through times of loss other than losing some person. I assume that all of you at some time or other have had a severe loss. You've lost a job. You've lost your home perhaps by fire or flood. You have lost something valuable to you that you treasured very highly and it disappeared or it was stolen. You've lost a friend. Some have gone through the loss of even mates by divorce or other ways. All kinds of loss with exception of, of death that we're talking about. When it's all over, when it's gone by the wayside, when we have time to recollect our thoughts and put ourselves back together, we have to admit that that job 
that house that burned, and on and on we could go, perhaps really weren't the true values in life at all. There was something more valuable than those things. And we found that value in Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I think sorrow brings us to a point of allowing it to reveal God's compassion for us. When we have finally again come to our senses and have been able to assess our condition, we come to a realization that in all of this, we were able to depend upon God. And we could go to him in prayer and say what we wanted and pour out our heart with all of our tears and all of our distress. And we realized as we read God's word that he had compassion for us. And so Jesus is saying, blessed is the man that endures all of the bitterness of sorrow and yet still has faith in God. Another aspect that we might look at is that of compassion. And let me put it in these words, if I could. Blessed is the man who has compassion for the suffering of others. I think we see that in Jesus. When he went through this life, suffering every possible agony that man could dish out, Yet, as he was hanging upon that old rugged cross, his thoughts were not for himself, but were for others. Jesus is saying, blessed is the man who can get outside of his own self. Of him, his own self. Who cannot be burdened down by his own problems, his own sickness, his own lack of a job, his own lack of a good income, his own lack of friends, his own lack of whatever it might be, can forget about himself and think about the other person. That's the person who is blessed. We too are too prone to be concerned for what is going on in our own lives and not be concerned enough about the other person. I was very ashamed the other day when... I was trying to express some of my own frustrations to a friend of mine and was just really pouring it out. And afterward, I realized that my friend was trying to do the same thing. And I couldn't listen because I was too burdened down with my own concerns. Jesus is saying, blessed is the man who doesn't do that who will not allow himself to become so self-centered that he can't get away and take an objective look at the other person who has needs. Blessed is the man who has compassion for the suffering of others. And thirdly, I think he's saying blessed is a man who sorrows over his own sin. The attitude of the criminal very frequently is he was sorry he got caught. Not sorry that he did it, but sorry that he got caught in the act. 
But a judge many times as he sits on the bench can sense in the man or the woman standing before him that he or she is in fact sorry for what they did, not just sorry for being caught. When we are so sorry for what we have done or not done in the sight of God that our remorse will scarcely allow us to get up off our knees, then we are the type of person that Jesus is talking about in blessed are those that mourn. Only should we mourn for ourselves when it comes to our relationship to God and it's not what it ought to be. Only in that area, I believe, ought we to mourn. We ought to cry with Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And if we see ourselves in that category, then we can be the blessed of those who mourn. Thirdly, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek. In our day and time, the word meek does not have a very good tone. We have the concept of a meek person as one, as one who is spineless, one who is submissive, one who is ineffective. But Aristotle, great philosopher, many, many years ago, said that meekness is the mean point between extreme anger and extreme angerlessness. The mean point, the center point. That point between extreme anger and extreme no anger. Meekness is the middle point. Now consider that. Jesus was described as a meek person. When it came to himself, he suffered every abuse that man wanted to throw at him. He is described as a sheep before his shearers was dumb. When he went into the court, he made no argument against the thorns that were placed on his brow or the whipping that he received or the degradation of being stripped naked and marched down the streets of Jerusalem carrying the cross. The humility that was thrust upon him, never did he murmur a word. Never. He accepted what people wanted to give him in silent attitude. But, when it came to the abuse of God's house, he stood firm and he took a whip and he went in there and he drove out the money chambers and he accused them of desecrating God's house. He was angry and he showed it. But it was for God's honor that he was angry. It was for what was being done to God's name and to God's house that he expressed this extreme uh, emotion. When it was right and necessary, he could stand up and be firm and use force. But when it came to his own person, he never even so much as raised his voice in his own defense. 
when we come to the point in our personal lives that we will stand up for what is right when it's the abuse of another person, when it's the abuse of God's name, when it's the abuse of God's house, we have a right to be angry and show force as long as we have ourselves under control. But when it comes to what somebody does to me as a person, I have no right to strike back. And I am not the meek if I must defend myself before you. And if you strike out at me, I am not the meek if I strike back at you. Whether it's in word or in actual fact. That's why Jesus said, if he strikes you on the one cheek, turn the other also. If he asks you to go one mile, or requires you to go one mile, volunteer the second. Show him that you love him by doing it. If he wants to take your coat off your back, give it to him, but give him your shirt also. There's a little bonus. Those words I added in, the little ditties there you see, but that's the meaning. Because we are not to abuse in return for abuse, but we are to turn the other cheek. We are to be the meek person. We are only to be the individual who stands and fights when it's for somebody else's defense, not our own. This is meekness in the sense that Jesus gives it. I would like to translate in my own words again, this one, and say, blessed is the man or the woman who is God-controlled at all times. Who is God-controlled. Who knows when to keep quiet and who knows when to speak up. Who will speak up in the defense of others. Who will accept the abuse when it's against himself. So a meek person is the one who has control and will accept responsibilities for defending others and God's name and God's house, but who says nothing when it comes to the abuse that is dished out to him. All right, these are the first three. Are we poor in spirit, meek? Do we mourn? Are we the type of people Jesus was talking about in the first three Beatitudes? Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.